from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. When we look out in the arena tomorrow at PNC Arena and we see uh, some New Jersey Devils jerseys. Yeah, we'll, we're gonna, we'll see a few. We're going to wonder where they come from. And it probably, more than likely, will be people driving in from Cary. Yeah, um, or maybe is, even Holly Springs. Maybe Holly Springs, maybe Apex. Yeah. That is the joke around here. There's You're a not few from in the area. There's a few There's in There's a few Raleigh, in Raleigh, but that's the joke around here in the area because those areas are just growing so fast mm-hmm. that the joke is when you see the Rangers fans, the, the Islanders fans, the Devils fans, they all came from New, Jer- New Jersey in New York area. That's where they moved in from. And that's not just us saying it because it's fun to say or Look, it's like a tired trope. No, no, no. We got data. Now we actually have some data to back this data. up. So this is something that was on Twitter that we saw earlier today. Shout-outs to Jerry Cohen. He's a member of the Wake County Board of Elections, and he's an adjunct professor uh, professor, excuse me, uh, at Duke Sanford, yeah. uh, the School of Public Policy. Uh, so let's go to what he said. He tweeted this. Okay. There's a lot of numbers, so pay attention. Okay, Canes fans, I can answer the, quote, carry is full of NY Rangers or New Jersey Devils fans meme. From public data, Kerry has 107,166 active registered voters with birthplace records available for 89,774 of those. Okay, so rough numbers, 107,000 active registered voters and just under 90,000 90, birthplace records birthplace available for records those available people. Okay. Of those people. Of those, the birthplace records available, okay. 9,393, so a little under 9,400, mm-hmm. were born in New York. Okay. 3,316, so a little over 3,300, yeah. were born in New Jersey. Okay. It doesn't stop there. Oh. Let's, oh. let's continue. Okay. Because... Mike Sundheim, who's a part of the PR team for the Canes, mm-hmm. saw this and he said, hey, out of curiosity, do you have those numbers for Raleigh, Holly Springs, Apex, other suburbs? Is Kerry that much of an outlier? Well, this is what Jerry Cohen had to say in response to that. Okay. Holly Springs, 27,875 registered voters, of which uh, the birthplace info is available on 23,794, so a little under 28,000. Um, registered voters there, the birthplace info available on almost 24,000. Of those, New Jersey, 997 people, just under 1,000, born in New Jersey. New York, 3,181. So that's for Holly Springs. He'll okay. try to do Apex a little bit later. He'll get that info a little bit later. All right, so based on, I'm going to do the math here real fast. Okay. Of the registered voters where their birthplace records just over 14% and carry are from New York or New Jersey. We're born in New York or born in New Jersey. Yes, sir. Okay, so that's just over 14%. Now, if we do the math here for Holly Springs, get the old calculators out going here. I completely did that wrong. That's totally fine. I'll, I'll get the numbers here in just <laughs> we'll a second. I'll get the numbers just here in just a second. I, I, my, yes, Go on. All good. So, but basically, out of Holly Springs, you have twenty-eight thousand registered voters. Uh, between New Jersey and New York, you have okay. 
40, 4,100 of those. So of the, from the birthplace records of people we know and carry, registered voters with birthplace records, just over 14% are mm-hmm. from New York or New Jersey. Yes. In Holly Springs, of the 23,791 registered voters where there are birthplace records, mm-hmm. 17.56% are from New York or New Jersey. So it's an even bigger percentage in Holly Springs. There we go. So I'm assuming... Assuming that Apex really ain't that different. So now when, I'm also curious what Raleigh City proper as a whole, because a much larger population. When people say but, that uh, all jokes have are partial truths, like that joke about hey, these Rangers fans, these Devils fans, these Islander fans, they drove in from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So last year when we have the Carolina Hurricanes blocking people outside of North Carolina from buying tickets, and you still still see a lot of Rangers fans, well, well yeah. it, didn't, it didn't quite work because, well, they were coming from within Wake County already because <laughs> they're already here. That's a very good point. A lot of transplants in the area. Now, here's something I would like to maybe see. In that case, can we give all these people tickets to PNC Arena to make it a road atmosphere at PNC? Because guess what? In the first round of the playoffs, of the 50 games in the first round of the playoffs, the road team won 31 of those 50 games. That's right. The road team won 62% of the games in the first round of the playoffs this year. Take that for data. 50 games, 31 wins, 62%, Chris. That is mind-blowing to me because we – one of the things that I know, Canes fans, including myself, we're talking about, hey, in the Metropolitan Division, you want to have home ice advantage. You want to win the division because you want to see the Devils and the Rangers beat up on each other, mm-hmm. go seven games, and one of those two teams get knocked out. Well, guess what happened? Exactly the way you wanted it to. Canes won it in six. They have a chance to rest a little bit. They last played on Friday last week. Game one is tomorrow. So they had Saturday off. They had Sunday off. Could you imagine that being a pro athlete and you literally have a weekend off to just relax and rest on nice weather like we've had here? Just chill out and relax. Have some relaxing time. Maybe a quick trip to the beach. Come back with your family. I don't even need that. No, I want a couch. (laughs) That's all I want. I want a couch with my feet up. But you come back, you practice yesterday, you practice tomorrow. But home ice advantage doesn't seem to really be a thing. And this is something Emily Kaplan talked about from ESPN where she spoke with players about home ice advantage and doesn't even actually matter nowadays. There's been a couple interesting trends, though. The one is that home ice advantage just doesn't quite matter. I was actually asking a couple guys in the Devils locker room about it this morning. They didn't really have any theories why. They just said it's kind of weird. I think there's an element of no distractions on the road. I've also heard some coaches say that last line change and changing matchups, that's not as much of an emphasis anymore. All right, well, here's what head coach Rod Brindamore says about home ice advantage. Yeah, I don't know how much a big deal it is. I mean, I mean, obviously, if we get to game sevens, it, that's the only really, you know, and is that how much of an advantage is that nowadays? Like, you just look at the how good everyone plays on the road, and so I'm not sure it's that much of an advantage anymore. All right, Very there interesting it is. to look at. There it is. Yeah. So last season. In the playoffs, the Canes didn't win a single road game. They went 0-6, but they won two out of three games on the road in in their series against the New York Islanders, including the overtime game winner. Now, speaking of the overtime game winner, 14 of those 50 first-round games, 14 overtime games. The road team 
won 11 of those 14 overtime games. 11. That's wild. 11 of them. That includes the Carolina Hurricanes. That includes the Carolina mm-hmm. Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. That includes the Carolina Hurricanes and that game six clincher. Six of the eight series clinching wins were on the road, which is just wild to think about. That includes Six the Carolina Hurricanes. That includes the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> so the Canes were actually the only team to not trail in the series and win it. In terms the home of the team with home ice advantage. The team with home, well, or just trail in the series in general. Yeah. So the Devils were down 0 2 mm-hmm. to the Rangers and then won 4 or 5. Yep. Here's something as well about that series is that when the Rangers were scoring. When the, the three games that the Rangers won, they scored five goals in each of those three games. In the four games that they lost, they scored one goal, one goal, zero. So I just, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to figure out this Devils team in terms of who they are right now. In terms of, okay, are they a stout defensive team or are they a team that gives up five goals? Now, they did change up goalies. We'll get into that a little bit more later on because... You and I have a gut feeling about who the goaltender should be for the Carolina Hurricanes, but I think we know who the Devils goalie is going to be yep. in Schmid. But we'll get into the goalie matchup a little bit later on. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes back at home tomorrow. Game three, PNC Arena, 7 o'clock. Also, Dennis, you'll be out there yep. uh, on the plaza tomorrow doing this show live. Three to six. I'll make sure I'll stop by. I'm back on television tomorrow, but I'll make sure I'll stop by as well as I'll be doing uh, some uh, TV hits out there before uh, to pre- to uh, preview that game mm-hmm. uh, at six o'clock. Let's go through all the different things we're talking about in the sports world today in a segment we like to call "Hit It and Quit It." All right, Dennis, um, let's talk about this. Let's hit this one. The Super Bowl, we got the final numbers. Oh. The most watched Super Bowl ever. Really? You may remember a really good game between the Kansas City Chiefs fantastic game. and the Philadelphia Eagles. Rihanna, absolute great halftime performance. That's how I think. 115.1 million, well, 115.1 million. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> watched the Super Bowl, which is considered the most ever. Now, is that just here in the United States domestically, or is this worldwide? Because this is, a, is this a worldwide? I would, I would assume that's a domestic number. Okay, I, I didn't gotcha. look at I mean, I can imagine uh, only yeah. how much people overseas mm-hmm. and internationally watch f- football because the Super Bowl is a world-watched event. Yeah. 115 million people. I'm actually, for the, what, 330 million people or so that are in this country, however many it is now, I'm like, really? Only 115? As talked about as it is. I mean, if you think about it like this, a third of the people that live here in the United States of that number watched it. And so, you know, think about all the other people that may not care, may not have the ability to watch at the time because maybe they're taking a flight somewhere or they're out somewhere on vacation okay. or whatever. There's probably a lot of people or maybe working and they wanted to watch and they couldn't watch. Um, there probably could have been a lot more to watch if everybody was available to sit down in front of the television during that time. Okay, I've been in that position before where I know I wanted to watch the Super Bowl, but I had to work on this Sunday at wherever I was working at the time, and I couldn't watch it. I have sat in where Graham is sitting right now in the producer's booth. I've sat in there many times running the board for Super Bowls, but thankfully there's a television <laughs> in there. So it has happened before. All right, let's quit. Let's quit that one and hit this real fast. I hit it so good. 
You talked about legacy, right? Yeah. And players, athletes living up to the legacy of their parents. Carlos Boozer played basketball where? At Duke University. At Duke University. He has twin sons, Caden and Cameron, who are Cameron is the number one recruit in the 2025 class. Now, they said there's no guarantee, though, that they're going to Duke. Even though, again, there's that legacy of their father being an all-conference player and going to the NBA out of Duke. They said, no, not necessarily true. Plus, they also said there's no guarantee that we're going there together. Here's the thing I thought was very interesting about that, and this comes from an article from The Athletic written by Brendan Marks, who covers Duke and North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of them were talking about maybe what they wanted in a program. They wanted some place where they could uh, get great basketball instruction. They both want to be pros. Duke has the legacy of turning out a lot of pros, especially recently. Yeah, Uh, They want a place that has an emphasis on defense. Duke you don't four- hear that. You don't hear that much from young athletes. Duke was I want to lock it down. 14th. I want to slap the floor. Duke was 14th in the nation in okay. defense last year in the NCAA. Yeah. And so when you look at everything, and then plus like Cameron and like Caden is really good. He's the number 31 player in the 2025 cast class. Cameron is probably the best player in high school basketball in general right now. And okay. He's a rising junior. Um, just this past, the, you know, the Peach Jam and all that's going on in Georgia. Uh, in that he's averaging 27.8 points, so 28 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, and almost three blocks per game. He even had a 41-point game um, th- this past week when he was playing down there. Okay. I mean, I mean, amazing job he's doing. Has an all-around game, six foot nine, like his dad. Uh, can can shoot it. He can shoot it from the three. He's uh, living in the paint. Plays defense, as you saw. He can, he can block. He can rebound the ball. All-around great player, and a lot of the the points he gets comes from his brother who's throwing it to him, getting all the assists, Okay, who's uh, also averaging 13 points per game during the Peach Jam. But this gives the I, I, what, what the Peach Jam is a big AAU tournament? Big, yeah, EYBL AAU tournament okay. uh, down there in Georgia. Down in Georgia. Uh, Jason Tatum took some time to watch them front row with John Shire as well because he was in Atlanta playing the Hawks. Playing the Hawks. Okay. So my question is this, the legacy thing. Young athletes that are coming up where they have a parent that was established somewhere mm-hmm. in terms of at least college sports. Sometimes pros are a little bit harder because you get drafted, things things like that. Now, like, for example, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Joey Porter, who was an outside linebacker for them for a very long time in the in the early 2000s, they just drafted his son, who's a defensive back. Joey Porter and, Jr. And Joey Porter yep. Jr. So there's that legacy element that comes into things. Should there ever be an expectation I, I can see the want and desire for legacy thing, but should we ever expect the Boozer twins to sit there and say, because our dad went to Duke, so are we? I don't think there should ever be the expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Downs' dad went to NC State, right? There and you Josh go. Okay, Downs, that's a great example. That's Josh a Downs went to, North Carolina, went, to, went to North Carolina, which is their, their arch rival. But I mean, the Cable brothers went to different places too. But when you look at how good – Carlos Boozer was for Duke, and yeah. he has a son who can be almost better. Um, and his name is Cameron, and he has a chance to play at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Think about the NIL opportunities off of that alone with the T-shirts, Cameron's Indoor Stadium, whatever it is. Oh yeah, there you go. That could be Cameron's um, Indoor, an amazing uh, NIL opportunity for him. 
I think right now it's almost it almost is expected, especially because of how much Carlos Boozer is back at Duke, and we see him as a fan and also as a broadcaster. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. I really don't think it makes a damn bit of difference. David Tepper. Oh, is him? he growing up as an owner? We saw the process to get to this draft. It okay. felt like the Carolina Panthers this year, from from the time David Tepper acquired this team in 2018, this offseason was probably the best offseason that's ever happened under his watch. Sure. Because there was a plan for everything. There was a plan in how to acquire and to um, interview for head coaches. Mm-hmm. There was a plan on how to go about the draft and where to get a quarterback, and they've executed that plan and also getting an all-star staff. We've really railed a lot on David Tepper over the last couple of years here on this station and also at WRL. Does it feel like David Tepper is growing up as an owner and finally figuring this thing out? Well, I think the fact that he, like you mentioned, they had a plan, which is something that they never really had previously. It was Everything was such off the cuff, it felt like, in terms of, the quarterbacks that they're bringing in, the coaching decisions, whatever it may be. This is now, if you count the interim with Steve Wilkes, this is the fourth head coach. And the reason why I count the interim with Steve Wilkes is because he coached the team, what, 11 games last season? So, yeah, yeah I'm going to count that as basically your head coach for essentially a season. Yeah. Are so, you going to count Perry Fuel, who's the interim after Ron Rivera? Because it'll be five. Because he did, what, two games, three games? Like two or three games. Okay, and not really. Okay. Not really. Because, but Because Steve Wilkes coached for over half a season. Right. So, okay, right. so you got Rivera to Rule to Wilkes. And almost down got into right. the playoffs. Exactly. And almost <laughs> got into the playoffs. So, yeah, I want stability. I want a plan. I don't want teams to have a plan and go and attempt as best they can to execute said plan. So, yeah, I will say he's growing as an owner. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this real quick. Speaking of the Carolina Panthers. Bryce Young is going to wear his number nine. Oh, yeah. He's going to wear that number nine for the Carolina Panthers. Matt Corral, who was assigned that number last season, or he was on the roster listed as number nine last year. I'm not going to say he wore it because, he. let's be real, he didn't. Because <laughs> he got hurt. He didn't play. He got he didn't hurt. Play yeah, last you're right. He didn't play. You're absolutely correct. So he's actually going to wear Matt Corral's number two, which was his college number. DJ Moore previously had worn number two. So Matt Corral is going to wear number two. Bryce Young is going to wear his number nine. I want to know how many Panthers fans have already pre-sold or like pre-bought their jerseys. I, I want to get that number. I mean, the Panthers have already uh, put that out there that it was available for pre-sale. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we talk about the number nine, he might be the best Panther player ever to wear number well, nine okay, if he has a decent season. It's not like their competition's very tough. There's not. Us. But let's go through the names. Ryan Santoso. Who? Rodney Pete. Oh, yeah. Okay. He played quarterback for like, what, a minute? Two years. Matt uh, for the for the Carolina Panthers. Yes, let's, let's be specific with that. Matt Lytle, who? Stephon Gilmore, who played eight games for the Panthers. True, had a decent eight games though. Okay. Matt Corral, and here's the best one, Graham Gano. Okay, you have to beat out a kicker. Congratulations, you, Bryce that's, Young. You have to beat out a kicker. A very that's good why I one. Said, if you have a pretty decent first year, you're already the best Panther to wear number nine. Okay. And and for our marketing pur- purposes, for 99.9 The Fan, if we don't have 99 point Bryce Young in a number nine jersey to put out there that we have Panthers coverage, you can listen Yo. to the Panthers right here on 99.9 The Fan during the season. That, we are missing the boat. That is. A I'm very just putting good that point. out there. That's a very good point. Let's quit that and let's hit this. Uh, well, I mean, are you a smart guy? The Athletic, 
they're saying that the New Jersey Devils are going to win in six games oh, versus really? the Carolina Hurricanes. Why are they saying and that? And that kind of makes us a little mad around here. Why? I mean, we're homers. We, we can't front about that. We want the Carolina Hurricanes to continue to win, to win because we want them to win a Stanley Cup you know, uh, trophy. We want yeah. them to win the whole thing right now. Yes. And it's a grand opportunity now that the uh, Bruins are out of it. So the Athletic, they went through and talked to their writers. They also went through and talked to anonymous folks uh, within the NHL, and they came to a cons- consensus, and they say that the Devils are going to advance in six games over the Carolina Hurricanes. Huh. Part of the reason why is they're using uh, the, the Carolina Hurricanes and their injuries right now as part of it. Andre Sveshnikov out with an ACL injury. Yeah. Table Teravine and broken hand. Max Pacioretty never really got started. Only had five games for the Carolina Hurricanes uh, because he tore his Achilles a second time because the Achilles tear was the reason why he got on the ice late anyway. So they're saying that the speed of the New Jersey Devils is what's going to be hurtful to the Carolina Hurricanes, and that's why the, Jer- the Devils are going to advance in six. What do you say, Dennis? Uh, I'm going to say they're wrong. Okay. Because despite all those injuries and stuff, the Canes know how to win a 2-1 grinded-out style game. I don't know fully if the Devils can do that night in and night out. Now, granted, they did win a 2-1 overtime game against the the Rangers, and they had another 3-1 win. But otherwise, they were blowouts. So I don't know. I think Carolina's a little bit more battle-tested in that regard. And here's the thing as well. The Devils did not face Freddie Anderson once during this season. They sure did not. They did not. I think if Freddie Anderson gets the start tomorrow, advantage Canes. Because you know what? You don't have the film on him. You don't. You didn't, get, you didn't see him this year. And guess what? The guy, I'll get into this in a little bit, Chris. We're going we're gonna to roll back on this in just a little bit before we quit this. Timo Meyer, the guy that the for San Jose. <laughs> I love bringing him up. I, well, here's the thing: so many Canes fans were all in on. Got to why didn't we go trade for Timo Meyer? Let's boost up this offense. We know Patch Reddy's out. Let's go get some top six forward. Let's go get take Timo Myers on the trading block from San Jose. Let's go get him. Let's go get that guy. He put up zero points in the first round. Zero, Chris. You and I had as many points as Timo Meyer did. Yeah, we did. Mackenzie McEckern, who didn't play a single NHL game <laughs> this entire season, gets caught up. And guess what? He has more points than Timo Meyer does. In one game. And he did it in one game. In his first game playing in an in NHL this season. In one game. Yeah. So my point is this. Yes, the Devils play with a lot of speed. They're young and they are fast. But you know who also plays a very fast, in-your-face style? The Carolina Hurricanes do. This is going to be a fun, fun series. Canes in seven. Canes in seven. All right, before I rant even further, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit that real fast, <laughs> Chris, and I want to come to this. Put it down. Because we talked about, we talked about goaltending a little bit. Mm-hmm. Since relocating from Hartford. The Carolina Hurricanes have never lost a playoff series to a rookie goalie. Akira Schmid is a rookie goalie for the Devils. Spent much of the season in the NHL or in the AHL. Only had 14 starts in the NHL this season, or played in 14 games. Went nine five and two. Now a good, very good goals against average, just over 2.1. But he was nine five and two in the regular season. 
The Canes back in 06 beat a rookie, Ryan Miller. I think he was playing for Buffalo at the time. They beat Igor Shesterkin in 2020 mm-hmm. in the bubble when mm-hmm. he was playing for the Rangers. Jeremy Swayman for the Bruins last year. All right, Schmid's high danger save percentage. All right, this is where we get into the minutia, the stats, right? Because the Carolina Hurricanes, we always hear about oh, they get all these high danger scoring chances, right? Yeah. But they don't always capitalize, but they generate a lot of them. Schmidt's high danger save percentage during the regular season, according to Natural Stat Trick, just 803. That's 58th out of 70 goalies with at least 700 minutes played at 5 that's, on 5. That's not good. No. That is not you good whatsoever. Had, you know, actually, of the, of the top five goalies in the NHL, in terms of save percentage within 10 feet of the goal, three of the top five goalies in save percentage we're all Carolina Hurricanes goalies. <laughs> Three of the top five in the NHL yeah. in terms of save percentage inside of 10 feet. Those those are high danger scoring chances. Okay? I, I, I think what was interesting about these stats is uh, two of those three goalies who were um, – uh, rookies when the Carolina Hurricanes went against them came under the Rod Brendamore as a coach yeah. era, right? Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Brendamore is going to try to put extra pressure on Akira Schmid. And maybe he might look a little Schmid as a goalie oh, right okay. there. I see what you did there. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, we'll see what he does with that. We're going to quit that. Let's hit this. Uh, I want to. S- I want to skip to this next one that we have because uh, Snoop Doggy Dog, but the D-O-double-G, okay. really wants to buy the Ottawa Senators. Hold, he, hold on. Snoop Dogg wants to buy a Canadian hockey team. He wants to buy a Canadian hockey team. He's a part of a group that wants to buy the Senators. They're expecting this group what? to acquire the Senators for a billion dollars. He's a part of this group. He's not going to do it by himself. But I thought that this was interesting, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I'm just going to keep it real with everybody out here. I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is throwing me off a little bit. The fact that Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Dog, Mr. D-O-double-G, okay, wants to buy Mr. Doggy the style Ottawa himself. Senators. He wants to buy the Ottawa Senators. Okay. I'm going to keep it real with everybody out here. All right. I'm a, a black man from the state of North Carolina. Hockey has not been marketed towards me a lot. In my life. Fair. Right? So I didn't really know a lot about hockey. I've watched hockey mm-hmm. because, of course, the Carolina Hurricanes started off in Greensboro. That's where I grew up. I've seen it on my television. I heard friends at school that were talking about it. But I never really dug into why hockey is the way it is. What are the rules? And one of the reasons I learned about hockey's rules later on because I knew, okay, I'm coming to Raleigh. I'm going to have to start covering this team. I got to know what I'm talking about. Sure. So I went on YouTube, like a lot of people do, who want to learn something. Sure. And Snoop Dogg was right there explaining the rules. Shout-outs to the NHL and shout-outs to Snoop Dogg yeah. for putting out a lot of those videos and explained the rules to me. And I got here, and I knew what I was talking about after that. Mm-hmm. So I think this is interesting because Snoop Dogg has also been an ambassador of the sport to the African-American community. He also, a part of this, wants to start marketing hockey towards other groups of people who it may not necessarily be marketed towards and also wants it to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, pocket-friendly, a little bit more uh, affordable because let's let's keep it real. If you're playing uh, hockey, hockey at, is at, expensive. At, at, you know, little leagues, it's very expensive. It's very expensive. He wants it to be uh, available to more kids who don't normally have that access to hockey. And he wants to do that through his ownerships of, of, of the Ottawa Senators. So we'll see what happens. He's a part of another group that's trying to buy it. 
He's not the big money man through that. But if you have Snoop Dogg at your games turning up in Ottawa and Canada is uh, not prosecuting for marijuana, so let's keep it real, <laughs> Snoop Dogg will be f- fine there because he keeps it on him. Uh, you know that he might even have his own strain sold out the arena. I don't oh know the laws out there. We'll see just, what happens with that. Just playing the game in a purple haze. All right, let's quit that. <laughs> let's hit this real fast. The athletic, because, you know, we just had the NFL draft for 2023. Right. Got to already have mock drafts for 2024, Chris. Of you know why? Because, of because we have to. We have to look into I want to keep. I want to keep notes on these mock drafts now and see how right these people are. So the Athletic has a mock draft for the NFL 2024. They have quarterback Drake May going number four to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I have multiple questions on this. One, how did you determine that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to get the fourth overall pick? Mm-hmm. What metrics are you using? So, who has picked 32? Basically, I want to know who your pick is to win the Super Bowl right now, too. Because if you're telling me who pick number 32 is, that's essentially who you're telling me is going to win the Super Bowl. I'm assuming it's the Chiefs. It's pick number 32. I'll go look it up really quick. But, but pick number four for Drake May. Now, are there any trades already proposed in this? That's something that I want to know. No, I don't. Who's think, the number one I, I think overall it's, pick? I think it's too early for for the trades for that. But well, the number one I mean, is, is it too early to do trade? We're already doing mock drafts for 2024, Chris. Why can't we start doing some <laughs> trades already? What is Tampa Bay giving up to move up to number one? Well, uh, it's not Tampa Bay at number one. Interestingly, no, no, no. I'm, but I'm mocking this trade already, right, Chris. Right. The ridiculousness. Interestingly of this. enough, the number one team they have, who's taking Caleb Williams. As number one overall, which I think that's what everybody sure. is going to see. It's the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, really? <laughs> and they I, have. I hope. I hope that happens. And they have the Arizona Cardinals also with the number two overall pick. Because they got that from the Houston Texans. From the, from the Houston from Texans. From the Houston Texans. Getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh so gosh. the reason why that is very interesting because right now so they think you, the Texans are going to stink. You have you have the you have Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray, Murray. who is already the quarterback for the Cardinals. You're basically saying you're going to say goodbye to him, and you also have DeAndre Hopkins who's there. Now, do you keep him along with Marvin Harrison Jr. and you have just an amazing tandem with that, or do you also move him out of the way for Marvin Harrison Jr.? I can't That's remember. John, I think DeAndre Hopkins' contract is up at the end of the season. That's why he has a $30 million cap hit. That's why no one wants to trade for him because it's, the cap hit's just way too much. So, I, you know what? might just be a complete fresh start. Imagine that. The Arizona Cardinals, Well, if that is true, if this, if this plays out the way they're projecting, mm-hmm. this would have been the third quarterback taken – in the top 10 for them in the last five seasons. Well, just so you know. They deserve it. You asked earlier who the final pick would be. Yeah. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Also, the Athletic had Duke offensive tackle Grant Barton, number 24 overall to the New York Jets. I'm sorry, number 27 overall to the New York Jets. Jets ain't finishing 27th best record in the league. No way. I don't care if you got Aaron Rodgers. That's way too low. They're picking at 17. Before we get off of this, the other interesting thing about it is they have the Chicago Bears taking that first round pick from the Carolina Panthers at number 11. 
Oh, so they're saying Panthers they're aren't going to make the are going to stink right now. Okay, that's enough. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this real fast. Duke football. Hell yes, it's Duke football. Speaking of the Carolina Panthers, <laughs> real quick note. Fifth-round pick Jamie Robinson out of Florida State. Already signed his deal. Already signed his contract. First one in the entire First draft one. class of 2023 to sign his deal. It's the rookie wage scale. It's pretty easy to figure out. The only thing you have to figure out is just the finer points and details and stuff. Um, listen, he's ready to go. He said he's ready to go, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens with him. He said that he doesn't feel like there's 144. I think he was 145th pick. Sure. Uh, he said he doesn't feel like there's 144 players in this draft that are better than him. Okay, go So prove. we'll see what he does. He'll see if he can prove that. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. KD. The Lakers and Warriors. That series begins tonight in the NBA playoffs second round. That's going to start at 10 o'clock. A lot of people, so late. casual fans, big-time NBA fans, they're excited about this because, once again, it is Steph Curry versus LeBron James. Steph Curry has uh, – it's, it's really – the teams, right? Mm-hmm. But this is the first time that Steph Curry will go against LeBron James as an L.A. Lakers. So if you're going to look at Steph versus LeBron, Steph is 15-7 and seven versus LeBron in the playoffs. Okay. Good on them. We'll see what happens Good on with them. that. I, I, don't, I don't like putting this individual beat this individual in team sports. Let's, I just don't. Let's quit that. Let's hit this really quick. Our guy yeah. from Cameron, North Carolina. Let's go. But on television, they're going to say from Burlington, North Carolina. Because why? Cameron Grimes was drafted to SmackDown. This is for all of our wrestling fans who yes, are out there. WWE. Jess, if you're not looking at wrestling right now, Cameron Grimes, who is a wrestler by the name of, his real name is Trevor Lee. Your former tag team partner. My former tag team partner. Yeah. And the guy who uh, helped train me. He came up my with my entire wrestling style when I was wrestling back from uh, 2012 to the beginning of 2016. Um, one of one of the reasons why I was as successful as I was in wrestling uh, went by the name of Trevor Lee. Now is by the name of Cameron Grimes in WWE. He was in NXT, their developmental organization down, down there. And last night on Monday Night Raw, he finally found his place on the main roster. So he's going to be at WWE SmackDown. SmackDown comes to the PNC Arena on July 14th. So he'll get a chance to to perform in front of his hometown crowd if you guys want to go out there and cheer him on. For those who don't know, Matt and Jeff Hardy of professional wrestling fame are also from Cameron, North Carolina, and also helped train. They're the ones who trained him. Trained Because his father, uh, rest in peace to his father, um, was wrestling with the Hardy Boys back in the mid-'90s. And so when Trevor, a.k.a. Cameron Grimes, was born, he was literally in the ring since he was a baby uh, watching – the Hardy Boys, Shannon Moore, Shane Helms, all those guys wrestling and all that. So, shout-outs to him. He was born to be a wrestler, and he will be back here on July 14th at PNC Arena when SmackDown comes to Raleigh. Grant, go ahead and just go ahead and hit the breaking news. Breaking news. Just go ahead and hit the breaking news. For all the fans out there that are listening, we're going to get to the breaking news here in just a moment because Grant's going to find the breaking news sounder. He's going to find it. He's looking for it right now. He's going to find the breaking news sound. I've gotten all out of whack from the whole hit and quit. I'm trying to find where it's at again. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yes, there it is. Let's go. Hey, you It's okay. I've been there before. We officially have dates and times for playoff hockey. Okay. 
We all know game one tomorrow for the Carolina Hurricanes at PNC Arena. That game is at 7 o'clock. Love it. Game two is Friday. We already knew game two was going to be Friday. We That we knew. But we have a game time. 8 p.m. Friday. Don't love it. For various reasons. But guess what, Canes fans? If you're going to PNC Arena on Friday, the game is at 8 o'clock, which means what? More tailgate time, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Give me more of that tailgate time. So guess what? You don't need to rush home from work. You don't need to rush over from PNC Arena. Maybe you're driving from afar. Maybe you're coming up from Clayton. Maybe all the way out in Smithfield. Maybe our folks, our friends over there in the triad, Chris. There are a lot of Canes fans out there in Greensboro. Okay? Yes, there are. You have an opportunity to have a little bit more time to get to PNC Arena Gather the family, whatever you got to do. Get to the parking lots even earlier. It's going to be a beautiful day on Saturday. I think it's only supposed to be the 60s. Sunny, beautiful. Tailgate outside. Get that extra hour before puck drop. Now, we said that game three should be Sunday. Well, the NHL listened to us. Game three is going to be Sunday in New Jersey, but that is at 3.30. It's a 3.30 game, which I'm okay with this. You know why? Because it's on the road. I can get up in the morning, do what it is I got to do. I can sleep in a little bit, have brunch. I can watch and do my cane stuff at 3.30. And you know what? It'll be over by 6.30, 7 o'clock, and I still have the rest of the evening to myself, Chris. This is going to be perfect. I like this a lot. Then Tuesday, May 9th. Tuesday, May 9th. Still at the Prudential Center, and that'll be at 7 p.m. be at 7 o'clock. And then here's the interesting thing for next week, though. Okay. It's going to be a triple threat next week at PNC Arena. Oh, and I'm going to be at all three. And you're going to be at I'm all I'm going to be three. at all three. I'm legit. You, you might as well just take all your stuff that you moved yep. and just find a spot at PNC Arena. I can probably find just a corner. There. I can find a corner. So on Wednesday next week, Lizzo performs at PNC Arena. Yep. On Thursday, we got game five, if necessary, between Canes and Devils at PNC Arena because Friday, that's when we get Stevie Nicks. And I will be at all three of these events. And, boy, that really works out. Here's the interesting thing right now. Yeah. The Devils are going to bump Gospel Fest. That's not the Lord's work. Because Gospel Fest at the Prudential Center. Was supposed to be Saturday the the 13th. Supposed to be Saturday, May 13th, featuring Hezekiah Walker and more. But right here, the NHL said, nah. Says, nah, the devil's got your. <laughs> imagine, imagine saying, hey, I'm putting on a gospel event here in New Jersey at the Prudential Center, and the New Jersey, the <laughs> and NHL the goes back over. to you and say, no, 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 the devil's got this. <laughs> the de- oh, on the your de- date, the on the 13th of, of all dates, by the way. Oh, man. And so, but the gospel fest is supposed to start at 5 p.m. So I wonder. If, and I don't even know if this is possible. Maybe you push the gospel fest back to seven, and maybe we have making an early like noon puck drop, a noon puck drop or something for the game, Though, so that they have enough time to to flip over. For I don't the, think that I don't think it's gonna happen because there's no guarantee when the game's gonna end because if it goes true. into overtime. That's true. Who knows? So I don't think they would book. The only way they would ever do that is if they had a basketball game at noon and then like a puck drop for a hockey game at 7. So the Lord's the work, work will not be able to be done at the Prudential Center in New Jersey because no. of the Devils bumping them. Maybe, maybe the Canes will win it in 6 then because the Lord will do its work in Game 6 <laughs> for the Carolina Hurricanes. Maybe so. So Game 6 is going to be Saturday the 13th. Monday, May 15th is Game 7. So we have the dates. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. So every other day starting tomorrow – Canes are going to be in action against the New Jersey Devils. Puck drop for Friday's game is at 
8 p.m. I don't like that. Well, for sorry. For television purposes, well, right? Like, know, I'll, I'll be back at WRL on Friday. I mean, that's fine. And we love to have full highlights and post-game report from Casey Hintz and Pat Welter. And that means that they will still probably be working at 10 o'clock and maybe even 11 o'clock as well. Them's the breaks, man. Them's the breaks. It's just what it is. Now, real quick, we only had a couple minutes here before we before we got hit the break. One player that I know Canes fans are going to be rooting actively against is Eric Holla of the New Jersey Devils. Eric Holla is a former Carolina Hurricane who played for the team for 41 games in 2019-2020 before he was traded away to the Florida Panthers. A deal that bought in, that bought in Vincent Trocek. Okay? Eric Holla by all accounts, the people I've talked to in the organization. Now, there are things, specific things that happened that I was told off the record that I cannot divulge. divulge to right now. But I know he quickly lost the respect of the locker room for not putting in a lot of the work off the ice that was expected of players where all the other players were putting in the work together as a team, and he wasn't always doing that. And that's how you quickly lose the respect of your teammates. That's also very quickly how you lose the respect of your head coach, Rod Brindamore, who's known for what? Work. Do the work. Working. Right? Work your tail off. Do the work. Work hard. A lot of coaches, including Rod, can live with some mistakes as long as you continue to work hard. Mm-hmm. Eric Holland lost quickly the respect of his teammates. The f- he was a jerk to the fans and stuff around here, <laughs> even after he played here. And you know what? Fine, good riddance on him. You have a home in New Jersey. You played really well in in the first round. Played really well. But, man, anytime Eric Halla touches the puck for the New Jersey Devils, that place is going to come down on Eric Halla. And you know what? I'm okay with it. That's Chris Lee. I'm Dennis Cox. Graham Hill producing the program today. If you miss any of our conversations, you can check them out on the Best of 99.9 The Fan podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, 99.9 The Fans' YouTube page has tons of content out there for you all to enjoy as well.